Hello and welcome to this week's Grape Culture Podcast, the podcast where three women drink wine and discuss feminist literature and issues. I am Sam. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. And we hope you enjoy the episode. So this week we are going to be looking at the popular US sitcom Friends and how it has aged and what it looks like from a 2019 feminist perspective. So Kim, do you want to talk a bit about the wine that we've chosen to go with the topic? Yes, I do. Um, so we have two wines because the first wine that I chose is not vegan. So we've also chosen a vegan wine. Um, the first wine will come as no surprise to Friends watchers from the uh, early aughts. It is Jacob's Creek, who used to sponsor Friends on E4. Um, so we are drinking the Jacob's Creek Australia Shiraz, uh, which technically was made in 2017 so it's not from the era but it is our red wine and this is the not vegan one the description on the back reads our winemaking tradition dates back to 1847 when johan grant planted his first vineyard on the banks of jacob's creek creep, creep. <laughs> <laughs> on the banks of jacob's creek a medium bodied wine with plum pepper and spicy fruit flavors with subtle hints of toasted oak enjoy with any red meat dishes or hard cheeses very much not vegan <laughs> Does it say that on there or is that just a... <laughs> that was just an addendum. The second wine we have is vegan and we bought it from Waitrose. It is called Puklevik and Friends and we chose it because it has the word friends in the title. Oh, friends. Oh, Tenu- friends. Tenuous link. Tenuous link. Well, it's, it's pretty solid. Well, um, okay. The title. Um, it's a white wine, Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Grigio. In the hills of Jerusalem and eastern Slovenia, the climate is ideal and the terrace vineyards are unique. In our family-owned winery, all grapes are still hand-picked to create this fruity, lively wine with aromas of passion fruit, citrus and red apple. Goes very well with meat dishes, salads and especially asparagus. The intro about the hills of Jerusalem, I started singing, In West Philadelphia, born and raised <laughs> on the playground, is where I spent most of my I mean, days. Basically, the paragraph of describing it is as long as that song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the wrong TV show. Oh, I'm sorry, it's the 90s. We are stepping we back are, in time. We today. are stepping back in time. So Alex will be drinking the Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Grigio, Puklovec and Friends. Over ice as well. Over ice, because I do know how to look after you. Mm-hmm. So um, Sam, would you do the honours of pouring the red whilst I pour Alex's white? Yeah, right then. Uh, so we all have our wines. Cheers. Cheers. It's all right, that. Yeah. What does everyone think of their wines? Other than it's all right, that. I'm not very good. For a writer, I'm quite crap at describing things. <laughs> it was red. And I, I would like to say that I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I was expecting this to be fairly dire. I think this Danny is a dire. slightly nicer Jacob's Creek than the bog standard Jacob's Creek. Um, this is one that costs £7 rather than the usual £5 that I think it used to cost. But also Jacob's Creek... inflation, not quality. <laughs> well, maybe. It's also slightly harder to find and the wine bottles have had an upgrade like the labels they look prettier yes they do that's look the word. um i yeah i quite like it it's very um fruity and smooth it's fruity and smooth um it's vanillary but not too vanillary yes which i mean i love vanilla but it's quite buttery this one buttery biscuit base buttery biscuit base. is it peppery like it described i'm not getting any pepper from it oh i am all right <laughs> good <off>. for you <laughs> I'm getting shit faced that's what I <laughs> um, Alex how is your Puglikov and oh shit that was wrong <laughs> Puglikov <laughs> Puglikov 
Um, I think we should come up with a new name for it. Puklovec. 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 I can't say that when I've How had a How is your Puklovec and friends? I cannot taste anything. <laughs> is that... I'm Honestly, I really can't. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I literally can't taste it. Can someone Do we have permission it? to taste yeah. your wine? <laughs> I was going to say, is it because you're ill? Or it's 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 no, it's because I've got a cold. It's not just like liquid nothing. <laughs> Someone describe it. It's like pineapples. Right, you're the Oh, yeah, Kim shouldn't job, try it. This is going well. Oh, no, it tastes actually more like peaches. Yeah, it tastes like tinned peaches. Mm. Oh, okay, that's nice. It's, it's very... not bad. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's not it's very... Fine. Well, the fact that I can't taste it's not it very makes zesty. it's not very strong. It's not very like vinegary or anything. No, like, it's not vinegary. You know, it's not cheap very white wine. It's not sharp or dry it's like sweeter. some of the others we've had. It's a lot sweeter. Milder. Um, I can see us. I can see us sharing a bottle of that in the summer. In like, uh, like, is it like, in a, like a... don't share my wine? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> oh, you share this wine. We will have one have each no in the summer. <laughs> we will have a bottle. Okay. Well, now that we are liquored up, as it were, <laughs> uh, time to move on to our discussion of friends. Now. Oh, I don't think this came up or came across in the intro quite so obviously as it is to us, but um, two of us on this sofa are fans of Friends, or at least have been in the past, mm-hmm. and one of us <laughs> hates it. With a burning, burning passion. And always Lis- has. Listeners, can you guess who? <laughs> um, no, so Sam doesn't like Friends. I am a fan of Friends. Alex. I am a fan of Friends. Is a fan of Friends. With mixed feelings. So. Mixed feelings about now watching Friends, but we can talk about that later. Yes, obviously I don't like Friends, which I will discuss shortly, but I didn't watch a lot of it when it first came out. Um, You two did, I think. Mm -hmm. And so what do you think, what did you feel about it when you first watched it? Friends, the TV show, came into my life during school, um, secondary school, but the beginning thereof. So we're talking 2001, 2002. So not actually that long before it stopped being on TV because it ended in what, 2004, 2005? was the last episode. Um, which I feel like it ended later than that because I, I feel like I watched it more in those sort of age 15 onwards era where I was not watching kids TV because I definitely watched Nickelodeon a lot longer than you're probably supposed to. Um, and I I can't remember when I started to like it. I'd heard about it from my friends. I caught the odd episode because it's always on. It was always on at the time that you got back from school. And then the next solid memory I have of friends is being really upset and watching the finale with my like we went round someone's house to watch the finale and I don't remember thinking anything strongly about it and I think my affection for it grew later probably at uni yeah I suppose I suppose it's quite um you know at first especially the earlier episodes there's nothing too in depth there's nothing um you know that that causes any kind of stir or maybe a huge emotional response from its audience but as it develops and the characters grow and you obviously get to know them and and they the characters themselves develop more than the surface character that they present probably in the pilot um you know we we invest in them a little bit more and then we probably remember 
uh, more emotional connection or feelings towards the episodes than the characters themselves. That's probably what what you were saying. Maybe? Yeah, maybe. But I think that it does tackle quite a lot of big topics in the first season. So it's not really that the emotional in the first weight season. Yeah, I mean it's it starts off with quite a lot of stuff, and I have been rewatching the first season in preparation for this podcast, and I found it a lot more relatable than maybe a lot of the later seasons and especially I was watching this as a teenager it's not like I was watching this when I too was living in in a city on my own trying to make my career happen like my biggest concern was homework um but I think maybe I think I think it was the Hollyoaks of of like you know like teenagers today like it was like wow these are adults but they're like young 20 year olds and they're living in the city and they're having sex and they're talking about it and they're getting pissed or having coffee continuously like you know yeah i think yeah i think it's more it wasn't necessarily as the seasons progressed but as i was more like as i watched it more and more um that i got to know the characters and as i got closer to the age that they are then I started to be more invested in it, possibly because I was comparing myself to it. Uh, Sam, your first feelings. How, when did you first experience it, learn to hate it as passionately as you do? Okay, so I had a bit of a weird, a weird childhood um, in terms of my exposure to TV because if my mum didn't like it, we didn't watch it. So, and she didn't like Friends, and she didn't like The Simpsons, and she didn't like anything like that. So all those uh, Fresh Prince, none of that. That's all BBC Two that you come home and you switch on. Yeah, no, never watched it. So never had any of that, really. So I never saw it at home. I, my first exposure to Friends was, I think, you know, when you get, when you're at school and the lesson's at the end of term and they're like, I don't care, you can just watch TV or you can just watch a film they put friends was, on yeah they put friends on in my french oh, that lessons. is lazy they made us watch in french. French. yeah but it wasn't in french it was just in a french lesson they just put friends on i was like you are a bad teacher did they at least <laughs> put the episode on where phoebe tries to teach joey french because that is a funny episode i don't know i didn't pay attention to it because it was fucking boring <laughs> i did contemplate getting a french wine just so that we could do that but then i didn't and i got an australian one instead um but no, I, I watched it at school in odd lessons and then just kind of, it's one of those things where stray episodes fell in my eyes if I was at a friend's house or something. So you saw it both, you both saw it in the 90s when it was originally on yeah. in the early noughties and have watched it since. Watching it back now, because obviously it's all now available on Netflix, um, how do you feel about it now? Do you feel the same kind of, I know Kim, you said your emotions developed towards it over time, but you were talking about uni and that was you know 10 years ago how do you feel about it now it's my problematic fave um it's it's background noise if i put friends on it's because i don't want to think and i very rarely now watch it i still enjoy it when i watch it i notice a lot more of the issues and the flaws but i don't Mm. notice them in a way that um i actively think about it like i don't I don't watch it in the way that I would watch a film of that era and notice the the glaring problems or read a book from the 19th century and be perturbed by the language. I just, it's usually on in the background. I'm usually doing something else. I find it amusing. I kind of, sometimes things are jarring and then I just skip those episodes the next time I watch it. 
Right. What about you, Alex? Um, I watch it still with a kind of... I, I have an affection for the characters and what happens to them because, you know, I watched it develop um, as a young person. And a young person that, like I said, is kind of um, aspiring to be that adult and be out in the world and have a career and date people and do all those things. Um, but I do... I am aware of uh, some of the language that they use, some of the comments that they make definitely unsettle me now in a modern world. And it's something I didn't notice as a young person. I don't know if it's because I was young or because of the world we were living in, but I suppose it is a reflection of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think it's really good that people are noticing these things because it's like, well, we've we've moved on from this. Um, So I look at it affectionately, but I notice its flaws. Do you think it's any more or less flawed than other sitcoms or TV shows of the time? Like, how much is it of the late 90s, early noughties? What other? So I'm thinking uh, other things that were on were like um, Frasier, Third Rock from the Sun, we also said about. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got shows like Sex and the City, which was pretty much exactly the same time period. It wasn't necessarily a sitcom, but it was a comedy show quite a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um all those other American shows that you watched around the same time, do you think this is more or less problematic or is it hard to judge? So I think that I didn't watch Frasier or anything like that. Um, I did watch Sex and the City and I also like I, Sex and the City falls in the same bracket for me of problematic, but I enjoy it and it has merits and flaws because I think that it is as problematic as Sex and the City. And the only reason Sex and the City might seem more progressive in some ways is because it was a more outspoken show because it was a different kind of show i think that they are marketed to the same people but they are on different networks and had different restraints applied to them um and sex and the city was meant to be challenging and sex and the city also falls into a lot of pitfalls and Mm. um things that nowadays are not right they're not the right way to look at things So I didn't watch Sex and the City. Um, I have watched Fraser, but it's... Actually, I watched... Is it Fraser or Fraser? Fraser. Fraser, because it's got the I. Fraser. Um, More, I suppose, slightly later on. I suppose Will and Grace, was that later than Friends? Oh, yeah, Will and Grace was another one. Yeah, that was the same kind of time. Um, I watched Will and Grace as well. I think so... The trouble is, as well, is... Um, America is so different Mm -hmm. and their progression is also very different so I'd be interested actually thinking about maybe um, sitcoms of that era that were British which was probably like Spaced and Black Books yeah and Spaced Black Books um... I'll tell you another one around that time was Two Pints of Lager Two pints of lager as well, yeah. Which all kind of also also equally had um, uh, lead characters that were male and female, Mm. which is good. Um, Whereas Frasier for me was very much quite middle class male dominated. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the the more British ones, I suppose, reflect this group of friends um, that we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, I think also the humour is totally different. And so the humour in America at the time from all these sitcoms we're talking about was very kind of homophobic and sexist and um, 
all those other kind of issues that hopefully we are now bringing into the 21st century as not okay. Mm. What about you, Sam? What do you think with regards to like how problematic it is? Because you did watch Sex and the City. I did watch Sex and the City, and I admit Sex and the City is, as you said, equally problematic. There are things in there that would not be broadcast now. Um, like what? Um, there are transphobic remarks, there are, um... LGBT, LGBTphobic LGBT remarks. The, um, I don't think, what is it she says, I'm just not sure that bisexuality exists. Yeah. Is well, a line uttered by Carrie. Yeah, wow. But yeah, they all say similar things. And there's there was a meme, wasn't there, that was gone around Woke Charlotte, which is where they've taken one of the characters in certain situations where she reacted and then given her what she should have said or like what mm. the oh, wow. attitude is now and that was that's been run by a an instagram account called every outfit on sex in the city but and charlotte was the more charlotte reserved. was the really conservative one yeah um but um i don't know i think yes i didn't watch friends at the time but i don't think a lot of the jokes in it are any worse than other things that were on at the time that doesn't mean they're not a problem. I just think surely it's they a, were of the time. Yeah. yeah. And surely it's a mark of how, how brilliant the world is now that we're going, that's not okay. Yeah. Mm. And it's only what? Four, so 2004, 2019, someone do the maths. 15 years. 15 yeah. years. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I mean, 15 years isn't massive. Like, you know... It, we remember this originally and we're now talking about it and I still hope, hopefully, I'm clinging on to some kind of youth. Um, I, th- I think I think the world has progressed massively for millennials to watch this and go, no, that's not okay. And I think a lot can actually change in 15 years if you look at the difference between 1950 and 1965. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 1965 and 1980. Yeah, exactly. It's complete, like, they are completely different. The, the changes that time frame i mean the difference between two years ago before the me too movement and now yeah yeah it's it's it changes rapidly and it's okay to look back on this and say okay well those jokes aren't appropriate now but they were appropriate then and those aren't the jokes that's not the part of it that most people find endearing about friends yeah that is i think true. that's the critical thing is that people look at friends now and talk about oh you can't like it because it's problematic or i can't believe you like it because it's problematic and i think well i'm not laughing about them not you know joey having sex with lots of different women i'm laughing at different things and there's other parts of it that i find really charming and relatable yeah that's really true actually i take i take from it the the character the character arcs and the things that they go through yeah. rather than the jokes that they're making. And you can't negate the negative because of that, but you also can't, on the flip side, negate the positive. No, but we're talking a lot about these jokes, these problematic jokes, um, and we haven't actually discussed what they are and what the problems with it yeah, that's now true. are. Okay. Um, but before we yeah. do that, how's everyone finding the wine? <laughs> <laughs> the wine is just fine. It's quite nice, this stuff. Um... I would drink it again. I still can't taste it, I'm afraid, but I am feeling nice inside. Good. How about you, Kim? I think it's perfectly quashable. Quash- <laughs> <laughs> this is the first alcoholic drink I've had in nine days. 
I think that it's really quaffable. It's a really easy drinking wine. I can see why they sponsored so many mainstream popular TV shows in the aughts. Because it it's the kind of wine you can bring to someone's house and everyone will drink it. It is inoffensive. Yeah, funnily enough, Friends is not. <laughs> no. So I, again, like I said, I have not watched every episode every season. I've very much... I wouldn't even say cherry picked it because I haven't had a choice. And there have definitely been some episodes I've seen about four times. Um, but from reading around the complaints that have sort of appeared since Friends has been re-aired, um, there are quite a lot of issues with the characters and the way they behave to certain things. And one thing that I remember in particular is um, Chandler's attitude towards his dad. In fact, I uh, literally watched that episode two days ago. Yes. So I correct me if I'm wrong in this, but... Chandler's dad is gay and Chandler found him in bed with another man. So he's a um he's in a drag act. Okay. Um and he talks quite a lot about finding him in women's dresses, him turning up to his soccer games in ladies' clothes and it not being okay. Right. Um but also I think he's gay. He is he, gay. Because he finds yeah. him in bed with the pool boy, doesn't he? Yeah, he had an affair. Um with several men but specifically with the pool boy which Chandler um walked in on they chose to reveal that they were getting a divorce on Thanksgiving which is why Chandler hates Thanksgiving um and he would have been about 10 I think he was at that age um and then his mother left to be quite glamorous and like was a, a bit of a jet setter and his father embraced wearing um women's clothes and had a string of male lovers during his childhood right and his childhood was therefore a bit disjointed is the narrative. okay yeah and he also so i don't they never really properly touch on it but um he's obviously in a drag act but you never actually see him appear as a man obviously it's played by a female actor mm-hmm. um but so would would you say that she is trans like, it's never really properly... Yeah, but drag, being drag and being drag, doing drag and being trans are two very... No, exactly, that's what I mean. Yeah. So she never appears as a man. She's only ever a woman. Yes, at the wedding, for example, she so wears a she, backless dress. So his father always presents as a woman Pre- Presents, the... yeah, exactly. Okay. But do you think that attitude towards his father is indicative of the show's attitude towards trans people or drag performers? Or do you think it's a reaction to what happened in his childhood? My opinion is that the relationship between Chandler and his father is to do with that relationship. They give a lot of backstory and it would have been very difficult for Chandler to come to terms with. And he does throughout the course of the 10 seasons and by the final season, like those jokes aren't prevalent. It's it's not a punchline in the same way. And he grows to be, you know, accepting of his father and his father's life choices um what i don't think what i think that friends has a problem with more so is um other jokes surrounding homosexuality Mm. and um specifically around chandler and that he is effeminate occasionally allegedly or that he and ross have both had um experiences with men and that that is played for laughs in a way that I think that the conversation around Chandler's father in the first season it's throwaway comments that are played for laughs but as the as which is 
negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the series progresses, I think that it's much more of a um, character arc about Chandler mm. and about Chandler's personal growth and relationship with his father. And I think that's treated with much more respect than um, than other jokes about transgender or homosexuality. But being that I'm not a member of either of those communities, that is by no means yeah. a universal opinion. Okay. Yeah. Or correct. I might be no, wrong. No, but I, I, I totally, like, I think... I think I agree with what you're saying. Again, not being part of that community myself. Um, and also, you kind of see that with um, Ross coming to terms with um, his ex... Were they married? Ex-wife? Ex-wife. Um, coming out as gay as well. Um, and he says many throwaway comments uh, that are kind of cheap laughs. But then at the end, towards... like He he comes to terms with it and he, he gives her away and he realises she's just happy. So, again, these are kind of character... The cheap throwaway jokes are obviously awful and offensive. But coming from those characters' point of view, they then change that around because... They, they see the error of their ways and these people are just happy exactly being right. who they, they want to be and deserve to be. Yeah, it's not played with those specific characters, with the father and with Carol, the ex-wife. Mm-hmm. It's mm. not played that those characters are bad or that the way that Chana and Ross are dealing with it is appropriate. It's, that's not, it's not played like that's okay. But it is played it is they, are supposed, they are supposed to yeah. learn from it. I think it, I think it is the laughter track, yeah. but it's not like they're just sat there and see two men kissing or two late like women kissing and go, oh, that's gross. Yeah, yeah, but that you don't have to do that for something to be offensive. Microaggression. Or, yeah, exactly. It, you you know there are ways of treating things that aren't necessarily. I think like that, and I think having that laughter track every time there is a negative joke or a joke at someone's expense, and obviously mm-hmm. jokes are often made at people's expenses, but when it's a minority of any kind mm-hmm. you are underlining the fact that that's maybe that joke that is okay. intended mm-hmm. yeah and and so maybe that is a comment on on the writers yeah. Yeah. and saying insert laughter here is appropriate yeah. and i think that that is more prevalent definitely with china's storyline with his father than with um carol, carol yeah because carol and susan are frankly the healthiest relationship in the entire fucking show mm-hmm and I totally want to be friends with Susan. She sounds great. So one of the other things that has been described as problematic and actually was one of the things that fucks me off the most about Friends is the uh, the fat shaming where, uh, in regards Gosh, to yeah. Monica being fat when she was younger. And the fact that that is a joke in essentially every episode. Yeah. They mm. can't let it go that she was fat. I don't think it's every episode. But it is definitely every season. It lasts the entire time and her... But she even appears in a fat yeah, suit, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah, which is great. And they tried to um, give it some nuance by having Monica talk about like her relationship with food, her relationship with like joy and being loved and how she overcompensate, overcompensates with her cooking because she didn't feel, feel pretty or um, and that how she thinks China's going to leave her because she if she gets pregnant she'll get fat um but it that is one area where i definitely feel like it is um pandering Mm. like Mm. that storyline later on where monica there there is a storyline in an episode where uh monica finds out that chana broke up with his camp girlfriend because she got fat 
And then she uh, is obviously upset by this. And that is when she says to him, like, I, that person's still in me. And I'm worried that when I get pregnant, you're going to leave me when I'm fat. Or if I ever gain pounds or if anything ever changes about me, that you're going to leave me. Mm. Which is a very real insecurity. But it feels like that whole episode feels like a very special episode. Yeah. Um, And contrasted against the fact that you've got three, the three women are aesthetically ridiculously beautiful yes um you know very slim very beautiful women very white very white very women. white that's another topic which yeah. we'll get onto in yeah. a minute um and that they never really ever have to worry about it they don't that's the big problem is the fat shaming and the, and the you alex you briefly mentioned the fat suit and how yeah. what do you think of that like how do you oh god it was awful and like actually like i know it's not to the same extreme but rachel's nose as well mm. like these prosthetics and like a humongous like um it's like a sumo suit yeah and and then she sits in a uh beanbag beanbag chair and can't get back up again and they make it hilarious like they well they the laughter track tries to make it hilarious and it's actually just really sad and really quite upsetting and offensive not to people that you know um are struggling with their weight but offensive to everyone Mm. i think and i think also i mean monica even when she is thin is always being reminded of this time in her life where she was the most miserable um but yeah so that that whole storyline about fat shaming stuff that's still fat shaming is still so prevalent and in a way where i think you know we talked about the homophobia and transgender and while that's obviously still a massive problem i think in our our bubble our um what's it called echo chamber of um you know our friendship circles and the people that we engage with and the news we engage with it's significantly less because uh, yeah, you know that that's true. more accepted we, we choose not to engage with it or or, or hang out with people yeah. that do and yeah i think fat shaming stuff as much as we try to say love your body it's you know you have to love your body and everything i'm on a diet are you you know like are you on a diet probably yes maybe i mean I don't actually know. Like, i am after christmas yeah, yeah. because god I purposely forbid. didn't buy the crisps i bought the soya bean mix <laughs> Yeah, ah, the package sadness. Yeah. You know, like it tasted good. <laughs> that's I think that's one narrative that I think we're finding really, really difficult to shift. We've we've talked about it before. I yeah. think we talked about it with fairy tales. Whereas it was broadcast in Friends with a laughter track, so we felt comfortable openly laughing at Monica being fat. Yeah. Do Not, you... I say we in the broader sense. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the laughter track, do you think if you took the laughter track away from Friends, it would be? it would be funny because i do not i mean I it's not funny anyway but i still think it would be funny i don't think the jokes that they think are funny would be funny no. because be- if you took the last track away from those fat jokes it would be cruel it would be cruel. it would be just so be highlighted as cruel well that's, that's what i mean it, 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 it invites people to feel like it's okay to laugh yeah. it's a really interesting thing um i read an article on cracked about friends and laugh tracks and things and that um they never laugh at each other's jokes and mm. a lot of the comments that Chana makes who's who's lauded as this hilarious character because he's so sarcastic and witty so deadpan people don't say that to their friends some of the comments that he makes no one around him is laughing because there's a laughter track so they're they're acting as if they know that there's a laughter track 
so they don't laugh which means that when he's saying the joke like there's a the joke the reference that they use in the article is um joey makes some kind of stupid comment as he is wont to do and chandler goes you have to stop the q-tip when there's resistance i.e that he's poked a cotton bud into his ear and hit his brain and damaged himself no one laughs but the laugh track goes so if you take the laugh track away he's just called his friend mentally disabled and everyone's just there going so anyway what did you think about central park today like that's yeah there's no reaction to the jokes at all there's no not even there's no laughter like well like you say they don't laugh at each other's jokes but they also don't comment on them Mm -hmm. yeah they just it is just left yeah and when they do laugh at jokes those those tend to be the funny jokes because one of my favorite things about friends is when you can see them break like and it's my favorite thing about most tv shows is where you can see them briefly slip into yeah. they're not they're not the character they're the actor and they just and can't finding each other stop amusing. themselves like one of the funniest moments in my opinion is um ross is playing the bagpipes and he goes come on everyone sing along and he's playing it awfully and phoebe just starts like trying to sing along but she just goes ee! and it, it cracks <laughs> it cracks me up and that was great. so unexpected <laughs> It cracks I me saw up. you breathe in and was like, what's going to happen? And then that happened. It cracks me up every time. And you can see Jennifer Aniston, like, absolutely, like, trying not to cry with laughter. Because it was, I don't think that they necessarily knew that that's how she was going to play it. Yeah. Um, and it's that kind of thing that is really funny. If you take the laugh track out, there definitely are jokes. And the jokes are the ones that they themselves laugh at not just as the actors also as the characters they go oh that was funny i should joke that that's funny but the ones where it's very much being played to the audience look how stupid someone is look how fat someone is look how slutty someone is look how funny sexual assault is those those aren't the ones that people laugh at no do you think in the show do do you think actually it becomes a more height so we're saying oh these are relatable characters because or or like when we were teenagers these were characters we aspired to be because they're like you know 20 something and hanging out and going far in their career or whatever and do, do you think actually having a laughter track makes it so much more unrelatable to the everyday world so it makes it heightened in a way that you feel like people feel like they can laugh at these things because it's not real life Mm. you were detached from it like social media people going i feel i can fat shame this person because it's not face to face Mm. it's detached Mm. so maybe that's also i think having the laugh track i think yeah i I see what you're saying i think having that laugh track makes it ridiculous in the sense of it's not yeah, there's no, there's no realism. There's and I think that does stop you relating relating to them. It certainly stops me relating to them and liking any of them. I think they're all awful human beings. Who's um, your worst? Ross. Why? Ross is the absolute worst. He is the worst. Why? Why? Because he's manipulative. He's a spoilt brat. When he like the way he acts around Rachel is borderline abusive. It is abusive. Um. Yeah. And he's just a terrible human being. And when everyone's like, yeah. oh, did Ross and Rachel get together? I'm like, couldn't give a flying fuck. I hope they didn't. Ross, I hope she got on that bloody plane. Ross and Rachel. <laughs> Ross's treatment of Rachel and how she must be there for him at every beck and call and like how she's a 
bad girlfriend for focusing on her career. Oh yeah, that is. And also, this is something that when I said earlier, there was a boy in there's a boy in the office, a man in the office. When I said earlier that I don't like look at it critically for the issues, I I think that I misspoke really because I definitely have had long text exchanges with my best friend about um about friends every so often will one of us will go through a rewatch and we're just like but what do you think about this moment and blah blah and we will talk about it in depth from that perspective and ross and rachel and his manipulation of her and his controlling of her and um his attitude to her spending time with anyone who wasn't him is so damaging and that is one of those things where i very rarely feel like anything like this has truly affected me like and how I've lived my life in any way but I can see in hindsight how that great love and how he treated her and all this sort of stuff affected our particular relationship of mine and it's awful and he's the worst and I distinctly remember making this comment once where I think I might have mentioned this last time Mm. um, that I put it on my Tumblr, um, <laughs> which was my me and my ex are a lot like Ross and Rachel in that Rachel is a goddess and Ross never deserved her. Like, see, I don't think she's a goddess. I think she is a spoiled princess. I think she works she really, was, really hard. She was throughout the season to uh, throughout the series to improve her life and becomes a really. Still a superficial person in many ways, but becomes a better and good person. I think she has a lot of personal growth. Um, I I think actually she's the one that grows the most. Mm. Yeah. From the first like pilot, she was so one dimensional. Mm. And then actually she becomes a well-rounded character, regardless if you dislike her or not. She is a well-rounded three dimensional character. And in the first episode, I would say I would say all of them are, but she's probably the most one-dimensional. Mm. Oh, mummy and daddy, like, I took his credit card. I'm trying to make it in the big city. And it's just like, oh, my God. Like, I don't even know who you are as a person. So I do think her, regardless if you like her, her I, character has yeah, changed. But... I think Rachel is the character that I identify the most with. Because um, mummy and daddy. Because mummy and daddy bought me a dick machine, <laughs> among other things. Um, call the, back. One, the one where mummy and daddy bought me a dick machine. Talking about Ross and Rachel, talking about relationships. Um, so we read a couple of articles um, ahead of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that was really interesting from one of the articles that was uh, kind of pro-friends and you know, I'm quite pro-friends, apart from identifying, you know, some of these things that we're talking about. Um, It said that actually a good thing was the fact that it promoted having relationships with people of the opposite sex um, without having kind of any sexual relationship with them. But actually, I kind of disagree with that because this group of friends, like four out of six of them got together. Rachel has kissed all the friends. Yeah, she had a relationship with Joey. She she, she kissed, kissed Phoebe. All of them. She's also kissed Monica. I think there is no kind of group of friends that you usually find where, like, you know, two of them go off together 
and the other two are kind of obviously like find their own relationships. But like I don't think it's promoting non sexual relationships with members of the opposite it's sex. An I think actually, group. yeah, exactly. I think and it's I actually think n- like it's completely showing that. It, it happens that you do fall in love with people that you're friends with. Mm. I think it does, but I do also think that it shows that just because you make out with someone once in your 20-year friendship, I, a, a la Rachel and Chandler, like, that doesn't stop you being Rachel close and Chandler? Friends. Yeah, they made out in college. Um, So, yeah, that's my opinion on platonic friendships and how they are presented and what that means. We had another glaring problem with friends to talk about it's incredibly fucking white they're so white it's the so whitest of the whites white. and the two they're quite privileged as well yeah yeah and also like just like they can't there's no way they'd be able to afford an apartment like that in new york it's rent know. control because oh, my grandma used to live here oh, it's just steaming um knobs. the two two main characters who have significant storylines who are of color are julie and Charlie, both of whom date Ross. Why? Have some, you know. Have some self-respect. Have some self-respect. They are, yeah, so those are the two central, like, significant characters of colour. They both vie for the attentions of Ross. Charlie dates both Ross and Joey and is... Impo- we've Alex and I were talking about this earlier. Impossibly beautiful, impossibly intelligent. So beautiful. And um, Daisy People is in it for four or five episodes. No, I think about ten episodes she's in altogether, and then leaves to be with another academic. another academic white guy, boring white guy who's also a twat. Um, and she is the tokenisty of tokenism, like Julie. The fact that she is of colour is acknowledged in her, basically her first entrance. Because Rachel meets Ross oh at the gosh. airport. Oh, I Ross gets off the plane with that. Julie, says, this is Julie. And Rachel goes, welcome to our country. And she's American, isn't yes, she? Yes, and Julie goes, thank you. I'm from New York. Um, And that is, that is the only acknowledgement of Julie heritage or culture or anything Mm. which in many ways can be seen as a good thing that she's just treated as another character but she's just treated another character who's in love with ross to be ditched summarily when ross decides that his fucking pros and cons list of women wins out on rachel and then charlie is the most tokenisty of tokenism to the point that despite the fact that it's played as a joke and she says you know she says immediately after saying it that it's a joke you go girl and it just it feels so cheap it's a cheap joke Mm. and it was also made directed when monica wears cornrows which is just it's just such a cheap horrible joke and this is this is Aside from cheap, Ross and how he's what the worst, yeah. this is my big issue with friends and the the main reason why I have a problem with it because I don't have the me personally the the most um, broad experience in the world, but even I recognise the whiteness of it, and I am hella white. You are the whitest. I you am are from Henley. I am so white. Don't out me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> don't out I think me. we definitely spoke about Henley yeah. in a previous episode. Yeah, definitely. So the final 
big negative. We just mentioned how we haven't really talked about um, the treatment of women in Friends. We've talked about it a little bit with um, Ross and Rachel. But I think that there are um, two kind of big aspects of this. They all come back to Ross, as they always do. Um, and the big one is not necessarily the treatment of of the women, although that's a factor, but also the treatment of femininity and fragile masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is super super prevalent in ross particularly with the manny before we start our conversation about the manny and anyone who's ever watched friends knows which episode i'm talking about um i'm going to introduce a third bonus wine that sam bought with Mm. because um we always get through them (laughs) come on guys we always get through them um and it's a really really cool bottle it has absolutely nothing to do with friends except it's about as linked to friends as the laughter track is Ooh, oh, there we go. Mm. I like it. Um, it is called Edinburgh Palace by Philip Shaw from the Kumulu Vineyard. Um, Kumulu. It is a non-vintage Chardonnay Pinot Noir. It's a lightly sparkling wine with a really, really cool bottle. You'll see all these on our Instagram, um, as you will have before, all the pictures that we take of the wines that we drink. Um, I feel like it's somewhat representative of Sam's opinion, friends, because it's a giant fucking skull. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really nice. It's also not vegan. Sorry, Alex. It's all right. I'm drinking my non-tasting wine slowly. <laughs> I was going to ask you how you're finding it, but apparently, no point. <laughs> I can't taste not. anything. But I feel nice, like I said. Um, I only have maybe one glass left. Tune into this summer's episodes to hear Alex's opinion of this wine six months later. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is this is our second Australian wine of the night. So. Yeah, it is interesting. Good old Australian wine. Which one? So, where's this yeah. from? Uh, uh, Slovenia. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, um, cheers. Cheers. It smells weird. Tastes nice. It tastes not slightly, like pineapples. It's no. It tastes slightly more robust than prosecco, um, but not quite as um, sickly as carver. So, fragile masculinity and the manny. Fuck Ross. He's the worst. Don't fuck Ross. I Don't think that's fuck what Ross. We should take away He's the worst. This. Um, yeah, this is one of the other really, really big criticisms of Friends is specifically this episode, but in a wider sense, um, the fragile masculinity of the male characters. Um, the episode that we're referring to is the one, it's in the later series where um, Ross and Rachel have a child and they hire a male nanny a manny is manny an actual term or was it only termed from friends manny is a term that is now in general circulation but i don't know if it came before friends or is okay i think it's probably one of those things where like it probably existed before i don't think the writers of that original but they probably (laughs) saw it on a forum and made it funny like quotes funny air quotes funny um yeah so they hire a male nanny whose name is sandy um and he's played by freddie prince jr who side note total heartthrob love him still love him i still love him so much oh he's so clean cut he is my full 90s 2000s crush really i I feel bad for you He's, what else was he in? American Pie? He no. was, he he was he? in... He was in Scooby-Doo. He played he was Fred in, in Scooby-Doo. Yeah, but we were older that. in Scooby-Doo. He's, she's all that. She's all that. And he's just so 
fucking pretty. Yeah, but he looks... No, he's too pretty. He's like a cartoon man. No, I don't like... I, I need a bit of beard. No, we, I need a bit of facial hair. We shouldn't be shitting on Kim for her choices, but choices. Um... <laughs> This is not fucking Ross. It could be Ross. It could I mean, be he's worse. very clean cut. <sighs> anyway, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. I love him. I think he's excellent in this role. It's amazing, and I love it. Um, the episode, however, is very, very controversial because Ross does not handle it well. Shocker, <laughs> and he's really, really insulting of Freddie Prince Jr. Um, he, How dare you, David I know it's yeah, it's just play to your audience, mate. Um. <laughs> And he he has a lot of problems with it and he makes a lot of comments about how he's not comfortable with a man who cries. He's not comfortable with someone being that sensitive. And um, Sandy, played by Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr., is shown sort of playing uh-huh. the flute. He makes hand cream. He plays with puppets. He's basically a really fucking good nanny. Like, he's excellent. He's an excellent child care professional um and he bakes madeleines oh yeah um (laughs) which ross goes he bakes madeleines it's like fuck you you can't bake madeleines that's hard i can't bake madeleines so yeah um ross does not handle it well he's really really rude it's awful rachel obviously is great and loves him um loves sandy that is not ross um, well, she does love Ross. As this, well. well, yeah, but also, yeah, her judgment is poor. Life right. choices, all right. Uh, we've all fallen for the wrong guy. Anyway, what do you guys think about this? About this episode in particular, this storyline in particular, Sam? I know that you n- maybe haven't watched the specific episode, but I'm sure you've read about it. Yes. I have. Um, and in one of the one of the many scathing indictments of Ross that I've read. Yeah, and the general tone of fragile masculinity. Because I have another episode that I want to reference in a minute. But I want to hear your opinions first because I feel like I've been talking for about three years. Toxic masculinity is... I mean, it's not really... Not that it wasn't a concept, but it wasn't something that was really recognised or addressed very much in the 90s, I don't think. Yeah. Um, this episode, by the, the way, was in the last season. Or the second okay, Like, so the most recent. 2003-2004. Which was basically the 90s. Yeah, we all know the 90s. Yeah, exactly. It still wasn't that prominent, really. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't really know what to say other than Ross is a twat. But this, this <laughs> is the. You say that it's not that prominent, but it's also like the fragile masculinity thing. It's the era that coined the term metrosexual. Yeah, and I don't know how I feel about that term. I think that term is um, reductive, and I think it is labeling something that doesn't need to be labeled like if yeah. you're a feminine man why do you need to tell the world that you're a feminine man or why do you need someone the world to tell you that you're a feminine man because chances are a what is feminine and yeah. b you probably already know yeah <laughs> and why why do you need a special name to be exactly. a man that uses moisturizer and is in touch with his feelings like you need to reassure people that just because you use moisturizer and sometimes have a bath with candles you're not gay yeah, like it, I think metrosexual as a term has not been used for a while. No, no, it has fallen out of favor, yeah. but with good reason. I, I, yeah, but. I think it's um, people are just embracing who they are as individuals at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I don't think as much as the gender kind of expectation is still very relevant. Um, I think the individual is winning. My question was: Is he 
This is a one episode character, right? Yes. This is not a recurring character. So he is obviously fired as the nanny. Yes. Is he only one? Why is he yes. fired? So as... like three. He no, he is in one episode and he is let go at the end of the episode because um Ross is Ross this is actually part of the arc and this is feed, does feed into what I was gonna say, which yeah. is Ross tells Rachel that he wants to fire the Manny. Mm-hmm. Uh Rachel says you have to do it because it's like firing Elmo. Um Ross lets Sandy go, he says it's not gonna work out. Sandy asks why, I'd like to know, I'd like to be able to work on it, like any, you know, like any good exit interview should happen. Um and Ross says it's not anything that you've done, it's it's my issue. I'm not comfortable with a man who is as sensitive as you are. It's step one into dealing with this story arc in a way that Ross is wrong and Sandy and everyone else is right and that this is the way that Sandy is is acceptable and Ross is the joke, not Sandy, in my opinion. Um, So step one is that Ross says, I was wrong, it's my issue. I'm not comfortable with a man who's as sensitive as you are. Step two is Sandy says, why is that? Um, and then Ross opens up and goes, I think it's guess it's to do with my father. I think he always thought that I was too sensitive. Um, and then step three is Ross starts crying and goes uh, something along the lines of, and if it's hot and you're you're too hot, why can't you wear a tank top? And that's the joke, is that Ross is now the butt of the joke. The butt of the joke. But the butt of the joke is still the Ross is effeminate and so while Sandy is treated really well and Sandy ends the episode hanging out with Joey um, who is paying him to teach him the kind of lessons that he would teach a one year old one thing I do very briefly want to talk about is how progressive do you think it was as a sitcom Mm. like how much do you think Friends has defined other sitcoms since then do you think it was something that was entirely new do you think it was something that was that was not was was just a following a standard ninety sitcom format. Neither. Okay. Why? Um, I don't think it was entirely new because it was following a format that um existed in the sense of, you know, you have a central cast of characters, an ensemble cast, the way that it's filmed, the situation that they're in, following young professionals. We've referenced and have mentioned several similar sitcoms, whether they started before or after. The difference is that it's it's different, I think, to things like, not that I've ever watched it, but things like Cheers and stuff, which were probably the the immediate forebears. Um, I think there must have been something different about it for it to have been mm. such a significant... Um, to such have a significant lasted, time. yeah. And I think that it did tap into something that some of the other ones, other um, shows at the time didn't we've mentioned will and grace and we've mentioned sex in the city and i think both of those are were probably at the time more polarizing because they dealt with marginalized figures more so than these people the whole point about friends was this every manness in the sense that it was dealing with real issues with the story arc but um but it was it was you could you could put yourself in that position if you were a heterosexual white person at any age you could put yourself into that because you could be like oh that was just like me when i was 20 um one thing i i feel like i've listened to podcasts or read articles about the importance of friends and how it was doing it and the thing that it did do differently 
or at least made more prevalent was that idea of the the long story arcs across the seasons it was significantly less episodic yeah yes. it wasn't just what scrape will we get into this week that happened there was an uh an a plot in every episode but the b plot was um was always running through the season which yeah. was you know like the ross and rachel stuff yeah. and that i think we now are so used to that that we don't remember we don't like you say alex mm. we don't remember certain periods and we probably don't remember when that wasn't the norm because other than soap dramas i don't think that sitcoms had quite that same story arc narrative i think that 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 is what friends did differently and i think that's the influence that friends has had friends has had on tv as a whole and why it was probably most the most successful is that it tapped into a slightly more emotional even if it was flawed even if it had not everyone represented you were able to tap into the emotions the arcs the falling in love the flip-flop the the fighting with your career over a period of time you weren't just watching something for pure escapism yeah i totally agree with kim that i think it obviously tapped into something with people viewers of the day that it has had the longevity that it has had and we as watchers from a teenage world or you know early adulthood can relate to it and look on it fondly mm. and i actually feel proud that we can now view the flaws because we live in the world that we do today mm. that's a really nice thing to say i was going to mention other episodes with um fragile masculinity the one that i was particularly referencing is the one with all the poker in which it's supposed to be this excellent episode in which um the three girls win at poker and they beat everyone and it's great and it's that great but there's a whole lot of shit about how um joey cries and again more crying um and how that's really terrible but i'm just gonna i I've briefly mentioned that plot and how i think that's another really that's a really good episode that's a really good example of um fragile masculinity but i feel like we're running out of time and i really want to end this episode on something that i like about friends so or that we like about friends something positive does anyone have anything to say before i launch into my monologue cool in which case my positive monologue is as follows i think that for all its flaws there are some positive things about friends and i think the clues in the title is this is really corny um it is called friends because it is about friendship and i mentioned earlier that i did a rewatch of season one um because well i meant to watch more but life got in the way slash i read don't watch tv um and one of the episodes that really stuck with me and i think that it's one of the episodes why i identify with rachel it's one of the episodes why i love it and i think about it a lot and i've thought about it a lot during different times of my life when i've had different troubles that it's always stuck with me there's an episode really early on where rachel is basically having a life crisis because she works as a waitress and all her friends are getting engaged or getting promoted and she's not getting anywhere because she's left her husband and etc etc and her and monica and phoebe have a girls night at their apartment and they make rum punch and they talk about boys and they play stupid games and they get kind of drunk 
and she gets a call from the credit card people and the credit card people are asking you know like they want to make sure she's okay because she hasn't used her credit card a lot anyway so phoebe tells rachel the story of jack and beanstalk in that um she says rachel you're just like jack he had to give up what he wanted what he loved in order to get what he wanted i.e jack gave up the cow to give get the magic beans and rachel says well i don't i i've given up the you know this person i was going to marry but i haven't got anything um and so then at the end of the episode the credit card people call her again and they she's had this lovely night with um monica and phoebe and then the boys join later on and she's been spending time with them and, and she's just having one of those lovely nights that you have with friends and the the credit card people call her and ask if she's okay and she says oh yeah no i'm fine i've got magic beans and what that means is that she's got she's got the thing that she needs she's got that thing that is going to make her life better and that's how i feel and have felt it's how i feel about you guys it's how i felt about um friends that i went to uni with um and at various stages and i think that it's it's the part that resonates with me so much about friends and i think that it's the thing that makes friends what it is is the friendship the magic beans like it's the 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 true beauty of how much finding your friends and how much that can mean to you your found family means and so i know it's really corny but you guys are my magic beans and i love you That was lovely. <laughs> Sam, do you want to bring the tone down just a little bit? Do you want just, to bring the tone down? Just, just, you know, shit all over my nice moment. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that is my specialty. Yeah. Um, no, I just, I think uh, this seems like a good point to, you know, wrap up the podcast and to go for our ratings mm-hmm. um, of both the subject matter and the wine we've been drinking. Um, so, Alex, how would you rate Friends? How would I rate Friends? Um, I would rate Friends as a solid three. Um, I think I definitely have um, a connection with it because it was kind of um, a programme that I watched as a teenager and didn't relate to in terms of being a teenager, aspired to in terms of being an adult, which, again, has many complications that we've spoken about. (laughs) But um, kind of admired these characters, followed them on their journeys, uh, followed them for many years, up until like 15 years ago, and um, I cared what happened to them, and I loved them, and I love you guys, and I love the kind of, the idea of friendship, Um, but I also understand that I live in a modern world now, and I don't agree with some of the comments and that happens with anything that you would see that is outdated. Um, so I would give it a solid three. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sam, yours? <laughs> <laughs> Settle in. This is going to be rough. Oh, screwed. Um, <clears throat> oh, screwed. No. So my issue with Friends, there have been various issues. One is that I don't think it's funny and it presents itself as a sitcom. Another is the many reasons we've discussed today about why the subject matter is problematic. Um, however, I do like other series from the same time that are similarly problematic, uh, so I can't entirely blame my dislike of Friends on that. I just think it's something that should be addressed. And um, I, 
see what you're both saying about its representation of friendship. I don't think the people on Friends are very good friends to each other for the majority of the show. I think they are mean. I think they are not Yeah, but supportive. we're mean to each other. In a loving way. <laughs> I, yeah, like, I think that's friendship. There's ups and downs. Anyway, Sam, sorry, Sam, sorry. sorry. Let sorry. you finish. I just think it's to a point of cruelty and I don't think we're cruel to each other. That's the difference. Okay. Um, and when the very subject is friends, it kind of rankles a bit. Um, I have never enjoyed it. I have never watched an episode and been like, oh, no, I was pleasantly surprised by that. So I am going to go for a very fucking stingy zero out of five because I've never found a redeeming quality in Friends. I can't say I'm surprised. I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, <laughs> oh, isn't that life? <laughs> for the Yeah, for the feelings that I hold for it. I, I flip-flopped between three and three and a half. I think my attachment to it, my feelings of... Um, trying to see the good in everything as I do and and I definitely feel like there's a lot of really important and empowering things about friends um and I I have real love for it but I cannot ignore the stuff that we've talked about and I certainly like the 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 big ones that I've talked about the the Ross Rachel stuff Ross and um the the whitewashing and everything in particular are the issues that I've really really struggle to see past which i think to give it a 3.5 would be ignoring that um but i do think as i've said before with books three is like a it's perfectly fine and i would recommend it to the right person but i wouldn't recommend it to everyone um and i would maybe read it again but maybe not um the same can be said for tv shows i do watch friends repeatedly um and that's my per that's my choice but i don't watch it without criticism so i think i agree with alex it's a solid three how did we find the wines alex do you want to talk about your um non-tasting your non-tasting vegan wine which you have to give us the name of again because i think you might be the only one who's not said it yet <laughs> sorry hang on <laughs> Pukl- Puklevik. and friends <laughs> Um, Sauvignon Blanc <laughs> and Pinot Grigio um, handpicked 2017 um, I'm not going to read the label again because that was very long um, but Puklovec 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 is the one um, it was very pleasant for someone that has no tasting at the moment with my cold and I apologise um, I'm not going to give it a very good uh, kind of um, what's the word? Rating. Rating. No. What's the word? Review. Review. I'm not going to give a very good review <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I can't taste anything. But it went down very pleasantly. Thank you. When I tasted it, I thought that it was quite pleasant. Uh, I reckon we'll probably have another bottle of it in the summer. Check back yes. in six months and see how Alex feels about it when she has taste buds again. Yeah, apricots apparently. So peaches. Peaches. Oh, peaches. Sorry. It's like sorry. you don't listen. No, I don't listen. Okay. <laughs> um, Sam, what did you think of the Jacob's Creek? The Jacob's Creek Shiraz. Uh, it was perfectly drinkable. It was not, it, as I said at the time, it was inoffensive. I wouldn't ever go away being like, oh my God, wow, that wine. Um, <laughs> so for me, uh, three, mm. I think. I, um, I think I agree. 
I was thinking about it and it was perfectly quaffable, as I said. It was perfectly fine wine, but given the price point, it's £7.50-ish. Um, it was quite hard to get. You can't get it in Sainsbury's or anything. You have to go to co-op. And um, not that there's anything wrong with co-op, but like, surprisingly enough, co-op is not... I, there's not a co-op close to me. Um, I did have to go out of my way to specifically buy this wine. And I would never give it as a gift because it's Jacob's Creek and it has a reputation. Um, it's not astounding enough for me to give it to someone who particularly likes wine. So I'd be unlikely to buy it again. That being said, it was perfectly drinkable. I think a, a, a good three yeah. is, is about right. Um, what about our special bonus sparkling wine that has absolutely nothing to do with friends? Our tenuous worst wine, which was the Edinburgh Palace by Philip Shaw, which is from New South Wales in Australia. Uh, I very much enjoyed this. This is my favourite of the two. Um, it was... Um, as you like, as you mentioned, I believe in our break, it's sharp without being too dry. It's got a nice balance of sweetness. Um, so I am going to go for three point five. I would drink that again. I I agree. Um, I I said in an interim break that we had um, that it's not it's not as dry as a prosecco. But it's not as oaky and sort of headache-inducing as a carver, which is my big problem with carver. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was really, really nice. Um, I love the label. It 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 does make a good gift. Yeah. Like it's it a pretty it's a pretty bottle. Um pretty might not be the right word, but it's an it's an attractive bottle and it's a good taste. Um would drink again. I'd be interested to know about the price point though. Uh, so the price point on this one um, was slightly higher than our others tonight. Um, uh, it was an impulse buy at £19. What? what the fuck? How can you impulse buy something at £19? Honestly, I have like, more money than cents. £8.79 was <laughs> like my... I'm like, what? That's top whack. No, this was... Um, so this was in, <laughs> in Waitrose. Reduced to clear section, so they're not going to be stocking this again. Um, and it was down from 24, so that was a reduced price. Oh. However, um, I am a believer that if you enjoy the wine, you pay the money, and I enjoyed the wine, so... And you, I... would, pay, you would pay it in a bar. You would I would pay, pay it in that a in a bar. I would pay I... For a meal, if you were having this with a meal, that would yeah. be cheap. Yeah, that... I don't think I would pay 24, I would pay 19. Yeah. At a push in a bar. But in a bar, you were also paying for the ambiance. Yeah, um, that's true. A pretty fucking good ambiance in this establishment. <laughs> yes, this establishment is the <laughs> finest establishment that ever there was. With the neighbours above and all that. Oh no, they've been relatively quiet they tonight. They've been very quiet. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I think that it's a little bit pricey. Yeah, it is a bit steep. It's the top end of my range, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> For supermarket wine. It does have enough of an attractive gift quality about it that it would be worth that amount of money. Yeah. For a special occasion, it's not it's not your uh, it's not your average Friday night wine, but it's like a, it's a fancy wine, and um, this is a fancy year. So, <laughs> so what would you? I'm gonna go with three point five as well. Three point five as well. Yeah. Very good. 
So if you've enjoyed our discussion of Friends today, you can get in touch with us on Twitter where we are at Grape Culture Pod or you can find us on Instagram where we are at Grape Culture Podcast. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know if you agree that Ross is the worst or uh, that Friends is terrible. Friends is great. We'd love to hear from you. Um, next time we will be back on the podcast, which will be in two weeks, we are going to be discussing the book You Don't Have to Like Me, which is a collection of feminist essays by Ellie de Nugent. Nugent? Nugent. Nugent. Yes. Um, so do come back and check that out. Uh, and if you want to check out any of our show notes or anything like that in the meantime, we have a website which is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk.